Hey, beautiful people. I am LaMondre and uh, got a really incredible, incredible show for you today. Today, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, I believe that it's going to be something that really focuses a lot on connections and relationships and and how to show up authentically. And uh, hey, that's a part of that. That's a part of what we're why I created this. This is a part of why I do what I do. So I'm really excited about the show today. So be ready for some really good conversation. But also, before we get into that, I want to tell you that I want to ask you a question. If you are a business owner or an entrepreneur, I want you to, to, to listen up because I think this is important. I was doing some research and I realized that over 75% of people judge a company's legitimacy, legitimacy solely based on its aesthetic appearance. Yeah, the way that things look. And that's why I'm excited to introduce to you our sponsor, Thing Hat Thing, or THT. Now, they specialize in design and web development and marketing. And what they do is they partner with small and medium-sized businesses to make sure that they have a stunning uh, digital presence. And, and, and what they believe is that marketing and all of its components should be effective. In other words, their job is to make you look good so that you can focus on what you do best, and that's running your business. So if you're ready to take your business to the next level and look good, contact our sponsor, THT or Thing Hat Thing at THTCreative.com. That's THTCreative.com. And get to looking good, all right? <laughs> so as I said before, we are about to have an incredible conversation with an amazing guest. So just stick tight and uh, we'll hit it. This is about the journey. Your turn. What's your purpose? So welcome to my big, full, authentic life. I am LaMondre, and I'm so excited that you decided to join us today. I tell you, my first guest um, is is pretty is a pretty amazing, pretty amazing guy. He is known as the muscle motivator. Um, he's an advocate. He's an author. He's a coach. He's a speaker. But if you read his bio, if you ever heard his bio, he'll say, I'm just a dude. And before we talked about that, he was telling me, no, 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 man. Sometimes that's that's done to to, to make certain that, that I'm approachable, that people see me. And the thing is, he is just a dude, but he's just a dude who's making an incredible impact in people's lives. He is also known as the loneliness coach with a mission to eradicate loneliness. And he has an incredible uh, social media presence. And honestly, I know a lot of people know his work. A lot of people have seen him. They have talked to him. They've experienced uh, what it is to, uh, to be with him. But you may know his work, but I, I really want you to get to know his story. So I want you to welcome Nathan Todd, the loneliness coach. Nathan, man, welcome to the show. Hello, Andre. It's always great to 
be with you and have conversations. We always have good, meaningful, and uh, meaningful and deep conversations. I don't think we uh, we do a lot of small talk when we talk to each other at all. No, 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 no. In fact, that was one of the things that that I was about to about to say is that you know you have this incredible ability um, to really ask the questions that cause people to dig deeper and to look deeper, not only just into ideas, concepts, and theories, but really look deeper into themselves, man. And and, and I tell you, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that so much because you know, it forces you to think. It yeah. really forces you to think, you know, of, of who am I and you know and 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 what's going on here. So uh so man, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you for being willing to share. And so on my big full authentic life, it really is about an exploration of your journey and and looking at um looking at the kinds of things and, and insights that have helped you to arrive where you are at in this uh, at this particular point in your life. So man, I'm I'm going to start from the beginning, man. So tell me uh, about your childhood. What was your childhood like and and how did it how did it shape you? Yeah, so you know, in the intro you talked about I say I'm just a dude. And so after just a dude, it says, I'm just a dude who was born four pounds, 10 ounces, eight weeks premature, diagnosed with cerebral palsy at the age of two. And so from the very beginning of my life, <laughs> I was fighting. Mm. I was fighting to survive. Um, you know, my mom did this amazing thing where she wrote my brother and myself these letters on our birthdays where she would talk about the year um, that we had the previous year and talk about our lives. And she gave it to us when we were 18. And, you know, when I was 18, I was like, okay, cool, whatever. It wasn't an exciting gift to me, to be honest. I was like, okay. Uh, but now, as I've uh, gotten older, I love looking back at those letters. And, and one of the things she wrote one about me being born, like right after being born. And she talked about how I look pitiful. I had all these wires mm. everywhere, all these machines. And, you know, I can only imagine being a parent and <laughs> hearing all the the noises that are probably going off, but she talked about <clears throat> there was one point where I guess there was something that was happening with me and she saw my dad or my dad saw her. And when she looked at him, she thought I was dead. Mm. Um, and she, she wrote about that. And I think that's as much as, we don't remember those early moments in life. Like I don't actually remember any of that, but it's something that has had a great impact on, on shaping my life because that's an experience that I went through. Um, right. And so, I mean, that's as 
early as you can get things that I remember about childhood. Um, I was never treated any differently than my younger brother or my friends because my parents had this belief like life's going to be hard um, and this is the hand that we've got. We're going to have to learn to navigate it. You're going to have to learn to navigate it. And so they did their best to kind of prepare me for um, what life was going to bring to me. And, you know, I think it's interesting because when you're a kid, you do take things just as they come. It's a lot easier to be present because you don't have all these uh, labels, all these masks where you're having to pretend to be somebody that you're not just to have a feeling of acceptance. And so, I mean, being a little kid, my life was filled with joy. Uh, I look at (laughs) one of my favorite stories that recently came up this week is when I was, who knows, I might have been five or six years old. And I have this propensity uh, to like white suits, I guess. And I think Mm -hmm. that came from... I was in my uncle. <laughs> I was in my uncle's wedding, and we were all wearing white. I think that's where that started. But um, for Easter one year, I saw this white suit. It was an Easter suit. It was like white suit, pink shirt, pl- uh, pastel tie type of thing. And my mom was like, "I'm not getting that for you." Like if if you want that, you have to get it yourself. And so the very first thing probably that I bought with my own money was this white suit that I put on layaway because I really wanted to look good. Yeah. Now that's that, that that's pretty amazing, man. So you 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 talked about how your parents, you know, kind of envisioned uh that your life would be so they began to to, to, to shape you. And that's an example of that. How did their leadership, how did their guidance, give me some ex- ex- explicit examples other than the one you just gave about other ways that it shaped you? Yeah. The best example I think I've got is, um, so because I have cerebral palsy, my muscles were extremely tight. And so I know you're listening on a um, podcast, so I'm holding my fingers up and they're crossed with each other. So that's what my legs kind of looked like uh, when I was young. And so the greatest thing that my mom specifically ever did, and I know my dad was involved in it too, but she went and advocated for there to be a change with the uh, state insurance because I needed surgery to potentially be able to walk and to help alleviate what was happening with my legs because of the cerebral palsy. And it wasn't something that insurance was going to cover. And they just couldn't 
like it was unrealistic to be able to flip that and take care of that out of your own pocket. Um, and so she advocated to get that change so that any kid after me that had that particular type of insurance, um, that dorsal rhizotomy surgery was covered by the insurance and they had greater access to get that. And um, the thing that that shows me is uh, she definitely went outside of her comfort zone at that point in her life um, to advocate for me because I couldn't do it for myself. And <laughs> I just think, uh, I say it often, we, we rise to the level of our modeling. Mm. And that's just a great example of, of modeling that even in the moment, I didn't actually have an idea of what was happening, but I was seeing it, I was experiencing it. And it's definitely something that shaped my life. And with my dad, I think one of the things that um, he was, was a high school football coach. So I spent a lot of time in, in locker rooms at football practice and around sports. And that kind of shaped my attitude towards I'm a pretty competitive person. Right. Um, and even being in locker rooms for halftime speeches and everything like that, looking back at it now, it's like it informed the way in which I communicate because I saw things that would work and things that wouldn't work and, and were not effective. And so I'm extremely grateful for all that time that I got to experience being in the locker room as well. Right, right. Yeah, and, and see, all of those things are very formative. I mean, so you got this whole advocacy and standing up for yourself from a systemic perspective, from your mom and from your dad, you got this whole competitive edge and being able to communicate with passion and emotion uh, to, to, to help a team or an organization reach um, the goal or the mission or, or, or what have you. And, 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 and so what that says to me is that you have had some pretty significant people uh, in your life to to shape you, but who are some other people who have been really significant in your life that have helped uh, to shape you and, and and have contributed to your journey? Oh, I mean, definitely, you are one of those people for sure. Yeah, I appreciate that, uh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember the first time us meeting um, and conversations that that we had that we we might dive into a little bit in our conversation here today um but one person i always come back to this person and this is much later in my life um just a couple of years ago but uh, there's my friend heather parody and she uh she was volunteering for uh a conference that we I was attending as a participant she was a volunteer and you know she she just found me in the community Facebook community page right. and I had ma made it a mission to communicate about my experience 
throughout the whole thing. So I would go do these live videos and talk about it. And she found me and she's like, hey, I'm going to find this guy and I'm going to talk to him. And I, it, we just sat during this dinner break that we had under this tree. And what she was able to do for me in that moment was to shift my perspective of myself at that event because in that moment i was like what am i doing here I mean, i'm this guy that works at this nonprofit that supports people with disabilities and every other person here it felt like owned a business was making these amazing things and i was like it felt like in that moment i didn't belong but her conversation and wanting to sit with me and talk with me has had a huge impact on um, what I believed about myself in that space of that conference, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And Heather is is really uh, an amazing person. You actually <clears throat> introduced uh, the two of us, and, and I started following her um, on Facebook, and, and she really does an amazing job, and she's very supportive uh, and 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 um, just amazing. So uh, if 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 you're also looking uh, for someone to to kind of share with and that kind of thing, definitely look Heather up. And uh, she, she's she's really really amazing. You said something earlier though that I want to go back to because I don't want to just skate over that. We were talking about your parents and you. Uh, the quote you said was, "You rise to the level of your modeling." Explain that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the best way I can kind of explain that is an example of when I was doing some skills training at a um, day center where adults with disabilities would come and they have programming so that they have a place to go while their parent or family member is able to work during the day. And there just happened to be this guy that I went to school with that happened to go to this program. And, you know, we were talking about goals and, and things that he specifically wanted to do. And it was like one of the things was traveling. Right. And he said, you know, Nathan, I can't do that. I can't do that because I use this wheelchair. It's not possible for me. And luckily, I've traveled with one of our good friends, Alex, to a conference before. And so Alex has a spinal cord injury and has very limited mobility in any limbs. And, you know, we went on a trip to... Uh, we've been to Kansas, to Texas, and I was able to say, you know what? I know that this is possible because I've seen it. I've seen my friend here be able to do it, and if he can do it, you can do that. So what I mean by we rise to the level of our modeling is we rise to the level of what we see being done around us. Um, it could be beliefs that we have about ourselves. It could be actions that we're 
willing to take. Uh, um, so rising to the level of our modeling, really, when I think about it, I also think about what we see around us is shaping our normal. And so based on the actions that I've seen in my life, the behaviors I've seen from people in my life, they all shape uh, how I show up in the world. And the only way that we can, if we don't like where we're at with that right now, uh, we have to start looking outside of our current environment and saying, well, I know that I don't like this and I know what I want to strive to do. Who can I go to find that's exhibiting that so that I can uh, be around that, be immersed in that? And I think that's a beautiful thing about where we're at in the world today uh, when it comes to access that we have to amazing people because of things like social media, things like podcasts. Um, it's just a beautiful time to be able to say, hey, I, I don't like where I'm at. Who's doing right. something that I think I want to do? And let me start immersing myself in that. And that, you know what? And 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 I think that is that that is absolutely true. That that is a place you with the concept of rising to the level of your modeling based on what we've learned from you know the people who've influenced you and 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 how you've grown uh, so far. I'm I'm thinking so when you look back on your life, what are some of the defining moments that really led you to this understanding? That really led you to where you are now, those moments, whether it be positive, negative, or indifference, they were still moments that defined you and helped to shape your perspective. What were some of those? You know what's funny about that question? I think automatically when I imagine those, most of them were probably deemed as negative. And that's an interesting thing to me is, is how we label things. And realistically, even though in the moment it might not have felt good, uh, it led to where I am at today. And so how can I actually say that that's negative? So Yeah, and I, I'll tell you, that that's usually how it is. You know, who you really are usually shows up in moments of stress, usually shows up in moments of de-stress. It usually shows up when things are not so good and you have to rely on who you are at your core because it's easy to wear a mask when things are well, when things are great, when you know there are birds yeah. singing and unicorns running all <laughs> over the place. But the truth is that's not how life is always. And so, yeah, I, I, I fully get that, man. Go ahead. So, yeah, I think one of the first things that I think about is, is fourth grade and, um, you know, it was a, a field day event, and the main event is always the tug of war. And usually it ends up fourth grade versus fifth grade, and that's what happened in this example as well. It was fourth grade versus the fifth grade to win the award for uh, that field day. And I just remember it being put at the end of the rope 
which is normal. That's where I was the whole time. That's the anchor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we were going up against the fifth grade, and my class lost. And what I remember most about that time was coming back in the, the classroom and then one of my classmates coming up to me and being like, hey, Nathan, you know what? You're the reason we lost. <laughs> You're the reason why we didn't get up there and get the, the ribbon or the trophy, whatever the heck we got for winning that event. But that's something that, that stuck with me then. Um, so that's fourth grade. Then when I was in middle school, we moved from my hometown to here in Charleston. And oh my goodness, it was probably the, <laughs> the worst time to transition and move as a kid because I was going into middle school. And when I went there, man, I experienced bullying and it wasn't from the kids at the school. Like there was some bullying that was going on with kids, but it wasn't unbearable. But I was being bullied by the administration of the school. Wow. And, how, and how, you know, how are they bullying you, man? <laughs> um, the ways in which they were having me navigate the classroom, working to get some of my accommodations, um, going in the school. and But here's what I remember most about that time. There was one day... I, I couldn't tell you exactly what was happening, but I was like just sitting on this curb waiting to get picked up from school. And I was like bawling and was crying uncontrollably. And then this girl comes up and she starts talking to me because uh, she, she knew something was wrong. And lo and behold, um, I'm still really good friends with that family today. And like, um, her brother was in my class and in all honesty, in that time when we were in that class, we were actually sitting across from each other. Cause this is in the days when they would put the, um, desk in squares and we would just be with. Uh, three other of our classmates and it was in English class and he used to sleep all the time <laughs> and I was, I was sitting there thinking what is up with this guy why is he always sleeping like what is <laughs> what is happening right and little did I know a couple days after that his sister, his older sister comes up and is, is talking to me. I didn't even know they were related at the time. And, but that was a moment that I really needed where somebody was like, man, this guy is going through a rough time. How can I show up to be of support to him? And she had no idea who I was. She just saw somebody who was hurting and came up and, and just was there. 
Um, mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's what I remember. And when I think about that family in general, I think that describes kind of how they all are as people. They are just there for people. And they're people that I know if I call them up now, I could count on them to support me in whatever way that they're able to. And I think that's a, a real blessing. Um, oh, it is, man. It, it absolutely is. Every now and again, man, you'll, you'll run across, you'll run across some, some real angels. But I think that the other thing in that, because we were talking about, you know, the conflict that you were having with these administrators in the school and, and how it was dealing with you. I, I will tell you, when you're in need, and it is a, um, it is uh, something that is of noble cause. I'll put it that way. Like your education being a part of the system, what you need will arise, and it may just be that moment of, oh, I need a support. I need someone just to listen to me. I need someone to see me and recognize me as human. And that's what this family did. Even though one of them was sleepy, uh, that's what this family <laughs> did. Uh, that's what this family did for you. Tell me, though, what happened with the school administration? Because obviously this was something that was, you know, it's horrible that systems do that, but they do. And many times we, just as humans, we are literally fighting systems. So yep. how did you handle that? What happened? <laughs> we said peace out to the school. And I was homeschooled for a semester or a semester and a half. And, you know, it was that experience alone and in leaving the school and, and being homeschooled was an extremely interesting experience because yeah. it, it got me out. And my, my mom tells this story about... Um, I forget who she was talking to, but she was talking to somebody, a medical professional of some type, and they were like, yes, uh, I'm pretty sure if this goes on much more, Nathan's going to be suicidal. Mm. And so that's when she made the decision. She's like, we're getting you out of here. We don't necessarily know what this is going to look like, but it's time to get out. And what it looked like was homeschool for that period of time. And that lasted a very short period of time because both my mom and I are like, this is not it. Right. How are you? How old were you during that time? Uh, how old are you? I was in sixth grade. Wow. So how old? So at 11, 12 I years old, this, this was the, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's heavy. That, that's really heavy. So, as you go through school, that, that is behind you. You made the transition. How was it when you went to the new school after the homeschooling? How did, how did that go? Yeah, I, I think this is one of the uh, unknown parts of life that kind of led me in this connection arena of life, honestly. So, what happened when I went to school and started transitioning to a new school Thankfully, somebody really wanted to, uh, um, they, my dad, he, he worked for the school district. So 
I could go to any school within the school district. So I didn't have to go to my home school. And so we went to the quote other side of the tracks. I started a new middle school and the administration there worked with my mom to get a plan set up where I transition one class at a time. So I'd go for one class, then I would go back home and complete uh, the rest of the day being homeschooled until I just transition fully into school uh, for a full time and I was no longer homeschooled. Uh, but the thing that happened that kind of led me was the first step into this connection thing. It, it was a very powerful tool and a very simple tool that my mom gave me. But she said, hey, since since you're going to be coming back home, uh, I'm giving you homework to do while you're at school. And she would give me a note card. And she said, all right, when you come back i want you to give me this note card and this note card has to have somebody's name somebody's phone number and something you learn about that person on that note card and there are i wish i knew where any of these note cards mm -hmm. were like if i still had one but there are note cards from that time in my life of people that I ended up being in their weddings. And so that that simple act of getting that note card and answering those simple questions led to relationships that have lasted 20 plus years. Right, right. And see, that's amazing. Just as something, something as simple as that, I guess. And, you know, your mom did that so you would break out of a shell. So you would reach out and get to know people and... And learn them. That's yeah. really that. That's really good. And I think that that's an important lesson uh, for everybody. Is that you know you you have to figure out a way. You have to figure out a way. And it might not even be something that's typical or what everybody else has done before. What anybody else has said to you. But you have to find a tool, a strategy, or a tactic that will help you break out of where you are to get you where you want to be. So so kudos and cheers. To moms, you know that's that that's all right. Those, yeah, my mom is my hero as well, so <laughs> I, I fully get that. So with that, you said this is how you kind of started getting into this connection thing. So you are known as the loneliness coach, and 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 um, and I, I want to talk a little bit more about that. Tell us about that journey and the work that you do in that. Yeah. Um... You know, I'd, I've never even really talked about this as part of the journey that I think um, has led me to the loneliness coach and helping people with connection. But I think it even started um, when my parents uh, went through their divorce um, and kind of navigating that experience and figuring out who I was and, and what I was dealing with as our family was going through through that. Um, how, how old were you when, when, when your parents divorced? 16. Mm, okay. So um, I think that 
it was a crucial time in life when that was going on right. for me because uh, I was like, oh, now, so my dad's not going to be around in the way that he was before. Um, and as somebody with a disability, even though my, both my parents were like, this has nothing to do with you, um, it was very easy to take on, you know, I'm the reason that this is happening. Yeah. I've added extra stress to this dynamic. Um, and it didn't matter that they would tell me this has nothing to do with you. Right. I, I don't know how you, you actually work through that necessarily in the moment, especially when you're a kid. Wait, yeah. Um, but that kind of, help me understand even more that you know hard hard things are gonna happen even that aren't related to my disability at all right and i have to figure out who i am based on my experience of this that's going on that it's not about me but it involves me yeah absolutely you know, it, it's funny because you and I have a very similar experience in that regard. My mother and my father never married, um, but you know, my my father was there. And what was funny was um, he lived in he lived in an entirely different state. And when I was about seven years old, um, I realized that my father wasn't there, and not only was he not there, I felt like it was my fault. I felt like I internalized it. Now, keep this in mind. No one ever mm -hmm. said that it was my fault. No one ever said that this is the reason uh, that 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 they're not together, that my mother and father were not together. But in my seven-year-old brain, it was. I figured out a way to make it my deal. Um, yep. But the way I internalized it, I internalized it through anger. I internalized it through, oh, he doesn't want me, so I don't want him. And and that was how I kind of traversed yeah. that. Now, of course, when I got older, you know, we began to work some things through. But you 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 made a very um, interesting point there, and that was that you know a lot of times, particularly when people see people with disabilities, they think that their primary uh, struggle would be their disability. Well, the truth is that's the furthest thing from the truth for me. <laughs> anyway, it's 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 never been about the fact that I'm a person with a disability. I'm a very proud person with a disability. Um, you know, I, mm -hmm. I put that out there. But before any of that, I am human. And I will tell you that my disability is a defining point, but it's certainly not the defining point. And it is not a limitation. It is not anything that holds me back in life. Um, but there are other things in my life. And most of it is internal. Most of it is yeah. internal. It's the mindset. It's the way that we perceive the world around us and the way that we interact with the world around us. So those thoughts, just like the one you mentioned, figuring out how some way at 16 years old, you were the cause of your parents' divorce. That's one of those false beliefs that you hold mm -hmm. on to. And even though you may know it's not true, it still impacts your behavior. It still impacts how you interact with the world. And so how did you deal with that? How did you how did you navigate 
that process of growing to understand something different? Oh, man. Let's say at 16, I didn't. I was just showing up, going day by day. And I think at that point, I was like, hey, this is what it is. And, you know, what it really took was um, I went through this emotional intelligence training where I was able to pause and dig into some of that stuff and be like, what's, what is that really, like, what am I accepting as part of myself that may not be something that's mine to accept? And, you know, um, it took a lot of courage just to talk about the feeling of this is what I felt for a long time. It felt like it was my fault and that I wasn't good enough in, in some aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after you, I talked about it, it became easier to um, look at it and be like, is that actually true? No, it was just what I was believing, but it is not true. Um, and so how do I start to shift away from that? Uh, but, you know, it's it's interesting. So that happened. And then I, I just went on, like I said, I, I went on and I, I was doing everything that you're supposed to do as a kid. I was pretty much coasting life, yeah. Yeah, I graduated high school, went on to college, and I made it through college. And then 2008 was when that happened, and the world was kind of going through its own thing in 2008. And, you know, I was just checking off boxes. This is what's happening next. And I started trying to get jobs and applying and going to interviews and that's when like the the reality of society's view of disability started like smacking me in the face being like you thought this was gonna be one way uh well good luck with (laughs) good luck with that this is the way that it really is and what i mean by that is i went to all these interviews, I would get on the phone and I would I would make it through the first interview, get to in-person interviews and walk through the door and you could just feel all of a sudden the, the position en- is filled. <laughs> the, the energy, because uh, I'm a big believer in energy and I talk about mm-hmm. how relationships are collaborations of energy and in those moments, I could just feel like, oh, we're we're wasting each other's time here and and i can tell you man i wanted a job so bad that at one point i had a stress fracture in my foot and i had a cast that went pretty much all the way up to my knee and i walked into an interview with the cast on suit on and with a uh, walker 
And I was like, I'm going to this interview regardless. Right. And I think a lot of times, because it's not what a lot of people normally see, they're like, I would never do that. But it was like, I'm trying to get my foot in the door somewhere and get somebody to give me an opportunity. I'm trying to get my foot in this door, even if it's broken. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I did that for a year. And during that year, man, talk about getting depressed. Yeah. I don't think I could communicate that that's what was actually happening. I was just in survival mode. And, but it felt like I was just getting sucked into my couch, man. I would just right. be on the couch. I'd do these interviews. I would go to the interviews. I would come back. I'd be stuck on the couch. And it was like, is this really what my life is about to be? Right. I've done everything that I felt like I was supposed to do. Right. And li- life is telling me that's not enough. Uh, you don't have value here. And mm-hmm. and I do this exercise, and, and you've actually gone through it, where I talk about bringing your loneliness to life. And when I think about being lonely, I think about that couch and kind of being invisible and kind of getting sucked into that couch. And, you know, but without having that experience, I wouldn't be able to help walk people through it either. Right. And I think it's important to 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 acknowledge that, that. You know, the things that you share as the loneliness coach and, and what you do uh, in your practice, <clears throat> this is not some fear, a theoretical thing uh, that you've read about and that you were trained on. But this was through real life experience coupled with uh, professional training to help you really mm-hmm. understand and navigate that. So even while you were sinking into the couch, it was building something for your future. It was shaping you for your future. And that's why I love what you said Earlier, when I asked the questions, <clears throat> when I asked the questions about moments that shaped you in your life, and you said, it's funny because I'm going to probably say that most of them were negative, but they weren't because they got me where I am today. But when you're in the middle of it, when you're in the middle of yeah. it, it's it's rough. And 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 I do want to I do want to shift to that, shift the conversation a little bit, because I really want to get to how you got out of it, how you got out of it, and also now, what are you doing in order to expand from where you are even now? So what was your process of getting out of that sunken place? What was your process of, of breaking free from, from, from that bondage of, of depression and rejection? Yeah, the only thing that created that was other people. Other people picked me up when I couldn't pick myself up. Other people remembered who I am and not who I was in that moment. And they reminded you of that. Yeah. yeah. Like my my mom was having conversations with my aunt all the time in the background that I didn't know were happening. And so they had my uncle found this place that served people with disabilities in Nebraska and so he looked up is and called them and they said you know there's one in charleston 
and it just kind of led to me and my mom going to this appointment and it was just to see hey what services are available for me as a person this is where we're at and lo and behold i had a conversation with uh gwen gillenwater and gwen was like hey so you think you could do some volunteering and my mom said oh yeah he can do volunteering uh it didn't matter what i was gonna say in that moment i don't think um and you know that volunteering led to a nine-year career and you know that i think the most helpful thing about not just the people but me being able to demonstrate skills that i had that i wasn't using was important for my own self-image and remembering oh yeah you are a smart dude who has lots to offer even though a little bit ago i wouldn't have remembered that at all but the more i was able to put skills to work it kind of got me back on track with like a feeling of purpose yeah yeah now that, that that's amazing so that 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 whole community that whole reminding you even your mother saying yes for you in that instance because sometimes things will come our way and because we are so beat down because we are so blinded by by the circumstance that we will reject something that is absolutely perfect for us, or at least good in order to help us move along in our journey. So now you are the loneliness coach with the mission of eradicating loneliness, man. So let's talk about that a bit. You have a quote that says loneliness is not about relationship. And you further uh, go on to say that it is an identity issue. Talk to me about you as the loneliness coach and specifically, what does that quote really mean? Break that down. Yeah. So even back when I was the muscle motivator and I was going to the gym, my whole thing was no label defines me. That's that's the business that I run. And, you know, I had a coach one time ask me what do you think is happening for your friends that nobody's talking about and i said to him in that moment i think that people have a lot going on we only talk about the surface level issues and people are a lot more lonely than they're willing to say And it really got me thinking. I think the number one reason why people experience loneliness is because they believe that there's this person that they're supposed to be. There's this person that they've made up in their mind that, you know, I'm supposed to be married by this time. I'm supposed to be able to do this or you know i'm i'm disabled so this is what i'm supposed to be we have all these labels that we place on ourselves and 
those labels of our identity are the thing that's disconnecting us from who we truly are. And, you know, people need to feel seen, heard, and loved and done in a safe way. And I think the only way that that starts to happen is we start to pull back all the different layers of our identity and ask the question. So whenever I'm working with somebody, I I like to think of it in two ways. And I have you write letters to yourselves based on these two identities. And number one is, who is it that I believe that I'm supposed to be? And I have questions that kind of uncover things that you probably never have thought about in terms of that. And then after that, who's the trademark version of you? Who's mm. the only you that you can bring to to the table? And when we are doing the loneliness solution, which is the coaching program, every time we got on a Zoom, I would have everybody change their Zoom name and it would say, the real Nathan Todd, the real Lamandre. And that's who we would bring to those meetings. And, you know, it takes a lot of courage to even have the conversation to even know, like, because I think loneliness is one of those things is even difficult to communicate. That's what's actually happening. And that's what I support people are doing is is recognizing oh yeah this is when this happens and here's what i need to do um when i am experiencing uh loneliness for myself and i'd like to say that you know a lot of times we focus on you know if i just had that relationship right it would fix everything and it's not about the relationship with somebody else. Like true connection to me is asking the question of how willing am I to confront my own self-doubt and my own image of myself? Because true connection only starts with you and your image of yourself. Mm. Gotcha. Gotcha. That, 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 that's, that's fantastic. I, I love the concept of, of showing up, you know, the real Lamondre, the real Nathan. And as you know, um, this, what I'm doing is all about finding purpose through authenticity. Because if I'm living in a mask, if I'm living, um, living out a masquerade, the truth is, there's no way that I can actually find purpose because I'd be pulling from a source that is not authentic. I'd be pulling from a source that is not who I am at my core. And I can keep it up for a very, very long time, but I won't be as effective for the outside world. But even more, even more important is that I won't be fulfilled because it won't serve who I am at my core. And so I think it's so important that people understand that that being authentic is one of the first steps into really embracing not only who you are, but finding finding where you fit in this world. And it's not necessarily based on someone else's perception of who you are, but it's about what you know, 
what values you hold important to you. And because those are the things that help you navigate, uh, that help you navigate through, through, through life, through this experience um, that, that we are having. And you also, you also talked about the, 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 the exercise and, 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 you know, when we start talking about how we are defined or how we identify, I think it's important that when we're having these conversations, particularly you and I right now, that this is not a disability conversation. No. That this is not a, a, uh, a, a conversation that's relegated to a specific group of people. These are human issues. These are human issues. You could be a young professional woman who is looking for uh, 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 who is looking for ways to be more effective in her career, or maybe you're someone who's been in your career for a long time, but now you're looking at I am not fulfilled in what I am doing, or my relationships, my personal relationships. I'm not getting what I need from them. So all of these things that we're talking about can affect and impact all of these people. And it boils down to the same thing. Who am I? Who mm -hmm. am I? And how do I show up? And am I showing up authentically? Is my mm -hmm. is the identity that people recognize who I truly am at my core? And so I think that that, that is important um, to evaluate. I think that's important to question. Now, as the loneliness coach, in addition to those things that you mentioned, the exercise and those kinds of things, what is it that drives you to, to, to go after that mission? And how did you arrive there? And I'm not talking about the story of your life and, and those kinds of things, but I'm talking about what was the thing that made you make the decision that I'm going to be intentional about eradicating <laughs> loneliness? Yeah, I think it was that conversation with that coach and it was that same um, right after we had that conversation, I went back to that same conference. <laughs> and, you know, he said to me, so, Nathan, when you show up, because we were both going to this conference, because that's what, how we what conference was it, if you don't mind me asking. Yeah, it's the Summit of Greatness with Lewis Howes. And, you know, he said, so, Nathan, now that we've had this conversation, how does that impact how you're going to show up at the conference and you know i went with the intention that i'm going to show up and i am going to be as much of myself as possible and in any conversation i have i want somebody to leave that conversation and feel like that guy understands me that guy saw me for me and i can tell you when i got to that place like i feel it right now as we're talking like i just feel the energy of connection like emanating out of me and it was just beautiful conversations and connections and i just remember this one guy being like I don't know why I'm hugging you, but I feel like I need to give you a hug. And that was just because of the conversations that I was having. And it, I think that is like you were just saying, it's a 
it's a human thing, but I also think that my disability plays a huge role in me being the loneliness coach because it gives me the space and created the opportunity for me to be a non-threatening dude in the world. It allows and you I, to be just a dude, huh? And I can use that to my advantage. I can use that to my advantage to get connected to people in ways that other people may not be able to do. And it's because of a preconceived notion of what something means that most people mark that as a negative thing. And I think it's one of the most powerful things that I have. Like, I think that it allows me to make connections in a way where I'm truly present because I know what it's like to have people look at you, move to the other side of the street, or have their kids come up and want to talk to you, and they're they're pulling the kids away. And it's just because there's a lack of understanding there. So I yeah. always want to, to my best, give the let somebody know I'm trying my best to understand who they are, who they're bringing to the table. And dude, at that conference, so I, the, the first one was where I met Heather. We had that conversation underneath that tree. I continued to go back. And uh, this was another friend that we had, Jason. Jason was the guy. He bought the ticket for me to go to that conference mm -hmm. because he's like, oh, you know who Lewis is? Me too. Uh, that's something we have in common. And he said, how was that for you? I said, that was the most uncomfortable I've probably ever been at that conference. But I said, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go back. Like, that's the one conference I will continue to go back to. And it has nothing to do with the people that are speaking. It's because of the people that I met there. But I had this moment where I was like, now I'm coming back. I have a different perspective of myself. I'm going to ask every single speaker that I can, what does no label defines me mean to you? Mm -hmm. And the first person I asked that to was Jay Shetty. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, it didn't matter what his answer was. He showed me everything then I was like, this is a possible talking about rising to the level of our modeling. Right. He, he showed me what true authenticity looks like at any time, right. because when he was answering, I was like, oh, your videos aren't a stick. Mm. That is who you right. are. That's who you are. Right. And I just remember walking away and being like, uh, that that's extremely powerful. And then the next time I was like, I'm showing up and I'm using a wheelchair the whole entire time. I don't care what we're doing. I'm using a wheelchair because I want people to see somebody with a disability. And there's very few of us that attend this. I think there's one other person that I actively know and can visually see had a disability. And I was like, I want them to see that you can still enjoy life 
even when your life may have circumstances that they deem as hard, negative, whatever uh, connotation they want to give. And, you know, again, using it to my advantage, I'm the only person in the middle of the dance floor that had one of the speakers come up and their whole team was shaking my hand. I knew what was happening. Right. And I was like, you know what? I don't care what the outside perspective of this is. I'm going to use this to my advantage to connect with these individuals. But let me tell you this, man. I, I believe that, that that that's what we're supposed to do. Because here's the thing. You are a person with a disability. That's a part of your diversity. Again, it's not a negative. It's not a positive. It is just simply a part of who you are. And you did exactly what I believe we should do. We should show up authentically as who we are, man. It doesn't matter. So in other words, if I was someone who... Um, who, who, who was deemed to be an intellectual superior and I'm really, really smart uh, and, 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 and I have this intellectual prowess, I'm not going to dumb that down. I'm not going to dumb that down. That will probably be, you know, a part of it. It is a part of my identity. So I will probably use that to my advantage, just as if I was someone who was really strong and could really lift heavy things. I'm going to use that to my advantage. And this is why I, I, I keep saying particularly that this is really not about disability. This is about who you are. This is about what you bring to the table. This is about what is unique about you. In business, we always talk about what is your unique value proposition? <laughs> yeah. What is the thing that allows you to be different from the others in your field? So from a human perspective, what is different about you? Because when you look at it, for the most part, we are all extremely similar. Extremely mm -hmm. similar. In fact, we are so similar that even the apes only have about a 1% difference in DNA to a human. So what does that tell you? We are way more similar than, are we, are, than we are different. So the question is, what is it that makes you unique? And it may be more than one thing. It may be more than one thing. For example, I am a person with a disability. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, but I'm also a black man born and raised in the South. And the other thing is, I'm incredibly sexy. So when you think <laughs> about those things, we use all of the things that make us unique to, to, to put yeah. out in the world. Otherwise, we're kind of just blending into the mass of humanity. And so the reason that I, I, I want to make that statement clear, because I want people to understand that what happens, particularly when you're people with disabilities or if you're a person with a disability, what ends up happening a lot of times is that people silo you off into a special group that is disconnected from the mass of humanity. When the truth is we are humanity. When the truth is we belong there just like everybody else. The difference is my disability is simply a point of diversity. Just like you may have blue eyes, green eyes, or brown eyes. All of those things make you an individual. Your personality, your sense of humor could be dry. It could be bubbly. It could be all of those things are a part of what make you unique. And so I think it's important that we embrace who we are authentically and represent that to the world. And I think that that's what you're exhibiting in those instances. And so, yes, 
your disability has, you found a way to make it a benefit. You found yeah. a way to make it a trigger to draw people to you and then to reveal to them, reveal to them the blessing that you have of making connections. And first of all, connecting with oneself. I believe that is where, I believe that is where the real magic happens. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And, you know, as you are talking, it's, it's interesting because I, I definitely don't talk about this a lot either. But there, there is a story in the, in the Bible, and it's about where Jesus is speaking, and there's a guy who can't walk, and so they drop him through the roof so that he can see Jesus speaking. And, you know, I'm like, but everybody makes it about that guy being the guy that sees Jesus speak. But I said, how many people did that guy bring with him? How many people was he used by Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, how many people did he bring to him because of that guy's circumstance? Mm -hmm. The whole point was, it's not about that guy. It's about all the people that he brought with yeah. him that probably wouldn't have seen Jesus speak if it weren't for that guy. And, you know, you said, what's, what's the unique gift? I believe that my unique gift is to communicate things in a simple way so that it connects with people who have been left behind because people are so interested in sounding smart, using big words, and they've just left a whole bunch of people behind because of their own ego and not truly understanding how to connect with people. One of the greatest gifts I've ever seen comes back to that, that day center man and working with people with severe intellectual disabilities. Yeah. Because I saw firsthand what true connection and communication looks like, and it's not about words at all. Right. I saw a group of people who could not communicate using words being more connected than I ever saw any other group of humans, and they were truly looking out for the best interest of their fellow human right. without any agenda. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, that's amazing. And, and here's something that I, that I think is important to add to that. And I, I, I do agree with that. But I think it's also important to realize that not every messenger can deliver the message to everybody. So we yeah. have to have a diversity of approaches in order to get the message out. So some people can absolutely receive a message that that is basic and 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 what I mean by basic, I mean the delivery style. Uh, that 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 people can you know get that. I got that. It makes sense. I can I can move forward with that. While others, they want more intricacy. They need more detail in order for it to connect 
and to ring true with them in order for mm-hmm. them it to even hit them uh, in a real way. And I think that that is the other thing. Not everybody has to rock with me. Not everybody has to like my flow or my style. And that is no indictment of me. And that is no indictment of them. It just means that I am not the key for your lock. That's all it means. And we got a bunch of different keys with a bunch of different locks. You know, and so the thing is to find what fits with you. Find your people. Find that connection there. And go where your gift is celebrated. Go where your gift is seen as a contribution. Go where your gift makes a difference, where it has an impact. The thing is, many of us are struggling because we're looking at how that person over there does it or how that group over there wants it. And if it doesn't align with who you are intrinsically, if it doesn't align with who you are at your core, then the truth is, then those are not your people. And the worst thing you could do, the worst thing you could do is try to retrofit who you are to meet a standard that was set forth by someone who has no interest in the value you bring. Yes. And see, and I think that this is what I love so much about the work that you do, uh, Nathan, because it is a work that I almost want to say grants permission because some people feel like I, I have to I have to have someone give the access, right? But mm-hmm. your work is, is is the kind of work that opens the door and allows people just to be who they are, regardless. And if we can get to that point, then you can really begin to dig and 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 and, and open it up. So as as we're as we're coming kind of to, to the close of this, I I want you to 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 give some ideas, some thoughts, some strategies or or something that will help people who are really looking to gain um, connection and, and and most importantly, uh, people who are really looking to connect to themselves in a real way. Yeah. I think first and foremost, it's asking the question of how ready am I to truly see myself? And maybe that looks like measuring that from a zero to 10 scale. How ready are you and willing are you to, to look at what's happening for you and what, who you are right now and i think the next thing you know if you are somebody who is you think you're experiencing loneliness right now or you want are seeking connection and i would say you can find this within yourself but this is also going to help other people one of the things that I think is missing a lot in the world right now is encouragement. Like we get so caught up in, in the differences and in the negativity, um, you know, 
almost all my YouTube comments come from a place of some sort of negative idea of how somebody is viewing me, which is interesting, but people need encouragement. So number one, I, I would say take out some post notes and write this note of encouragement and it can be encouragement that you need yourself right now and go put that in a public place. You don't have to give it to anybody, but go stick it somewhere where somebody else can see it because you never know what kind of ripple effect that can have. And then, you know, I would ask you these simple questions for you to, uh, kind of think about what this looks like to you. So if I say to feel seen, what does it feel like to feel seen for you? How do you define that? How do you wish people saw you? How do you think they see you now? These are all questions I would start to ask myself. If you want to find that connection with you, find out what it means for you to feel seen. Find out what it means for you to feel heard. Find out what it means for you to feel loved. And if you need support in uncovering those topics specifically, talk to me and I'll be the guide through which you can do those so you're not having to do them alone. Because, you know, sometimes it's scary to do things alone and we end up not doing them at all. Um, but the other thing I would say is, you know, a lot of times people feel like a burden and a burden truly is an uncommunicated expectation. So what uncommunicated expectations are you sitting with? Are you carrying that feel really heavy right now? And I want you to think about what are they and did you give them to yourself or did somebody else give them to you and who do you need to have a conversation with about that, the idea of that expectation? Because I can tell you, we make up a lot of stories in our own mind and then when we communicate it, like I talked about earlier, it's not really what we think that it is. And sometimes all we need to be able to do is talk about the idea of what we think those expectations are so we can really understand what the true um, expectation is. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I, I, the, 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 those are some good insights, man. And, and, and I really appreciate that. Tell me what is next for you in your journey. What you got going on, man? Yeah, man. So some point in April, I'm speaking at the A11Y conference. Um, I don't know if they've set the date yet or not, but it's a virtual conference. Um, and I'm excited about that because, you know, I talked about the exercises and one of my talks in this conference, I'm actually leading you through the bringing 
your loneliness to life exercise hmm. so that you can get it for yourself. And I'm also super excited about a new program that I'm working on with Dr. Michelle Finan, the self-assured man, because if there's one identity that I see in crisis right now, it's men. And I saw a gap in all the programming for men where, you know, being a man is tied so closely to physicality. And that's right. only one aspect of being a man and uh, exhibiting masculine energy. And I said, how do we help support people who are told, you know, you can't be the man or right. this program isn't for you. Right, 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 right. Well, man, listen, I really appreciate you. And uh, tell people if they do want to talk to you, if they do want to walk through some exercises or if they just want to connect with you uh, on a coaching level, how can people get in contact with you? Yeah, the easiest ways are going to be through social media. So if you look up The Loneliness Coach, I should be the first thing that pops up on Facebook, Instagram. That's going to be the quickest way to talk to me. If you want to send me an email, eradicateloneliness at gmail.com. And you can just say uh, big, full, authentic life in the subject line so I know where you're coming from. And we can have a conversation. Man. Nathan, thank you so much, man. I mean, we talked about connections. We've heard your incredible journey. You know, woohoo to your mom and, and your dad for all that they instilled in you. And brother, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for just being who you are and uh, being willing to share your experiences and being willing to share that amazing gift uh, of connection, man. So, uh, so thank you very much, my man. And, uh, and yeah, you 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 you've always got a place here, man. So thank you. All right, thank you. All right. Yeah, that was that was really uh, really incredible, and, and and you know there are so many themes that that really came from that. There are so many themes that that really presented um, presented itself in just that conversation um, with Nathan and. One of those themes really was connection. And actually, that's going to be the topic of today's growth hacks. So let's do it. So in growth hacks, what I, what I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to share a particular um, theme or, or, or concept. And I just want to share it with you so we can focus on it. Something that, something that I really want you to think about um, and, and, and internalize. This concept, and because we talked about connections today, that's what I want to talk about today. So here we go. The strength in your connections. So as an individual, we are not meant to journey through this life alone. We need connections, relationships, and support to grow and learn and, and love and thrive. But that's why I'm giving you this message today. I need you. I need your light. I need I, I need your light to, to to brighten my path to to guide me towards my purpose. I need your wisdom. I mean, you your wisdom was developed through your experiences and and all the lessons that you've had to learn. 
And I need your love. I need your love to embrace me and remind me that I am never truly alone. You see, we are all connected in this world and our lives are intertwined. I mean, we are really interdependent. And, and even though we may never fully understand how those connections are, are intertwined together, but I do know that I do indeed need you. I mean, I, I need you in, in, in a way that, that allows me to be the best version of myself. And in turn, I need you to be the best version of yourself. Because if we share that, if we share those gifts, those talents with the world, then we all become a source, a source of inspiration for each other. You see, you have a unique impact in this world and your presence, your light, your wisdom, and your love are necessary in order for us to achieve a greater good. You see, your existence has a ripple effect. It touches lives in ways that you would never imagine for countless people. So you see, I really do need you for that. I need your courage. I need your strength. I need your passion. I need your resilience. I need your spirit. I need you to continue to inspire and to motivate and to encourage. So my focus for you today is for you to really embrace your purpose and continue to shine your light and really to begin to look at what does it mean to live authentically to you? I mean, from your core, what does it mean? And keep pushing. Keep striving, keep reaching. Just remember that I need you and the world does too. So yeah, let's stay connected. Let's stay with that. And I will tell you today, today has been an incredible day and I am so, I'm so honored and pleased that you chose to take this time to listen to this, to watch this, and if this podcast has encouraged you or, or, or brightened your day in any way, do me a favor, subscribe, hit the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, or even if you're listening to it, give us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. And we certainly do appreciate you. And I want to give a, a, a note of thanks to, to those who have helped me with this, my, my, my production team. Uh, so I've got my Jamaican auntie, uh, Janet up the grove. I've got Elizabeth Barney and I've got Corey Griffin. And I will tell you, I want to thank you all so much for your support and for your help at, at making this my big, full, authentic podcast a reality. I also want to thank our sponsor, THT, THTCreative.com. As I said, if you're willing or if you're ready uh, to, to, to take your business image to the next level, don't forget to contact them. Well, that's about it today. And uh, like I said, make sure if this has encouraged you, if this has helped you, share the podcast, review the podcast, uh, you know, make me subscribe to the podcast. Do what you gotta do to let us know that uh, that we're doing a good job or if we're sucking. Tell us that too. And we'll see what we can do to make it right, okay? 
So again, thank you so much. And again, remember today is the perfect day to begin to live a big, full, authentic life on purpose. I am Lamondre, and we'll see you next time.